Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. We just thank God for our worship team who just led us into somewhere really, really special. Hey, you guys are, you guys are good looking people tonight. We got, I must have hired a model agency to come staff our Wednesday night service. I appreciate you guys showing up and um, you can pick up your checks on the way out. Um, my name is Bryson. Um, I, I love hanging out at midweek. I get to do worship a lot. Um, here, I was just blessed to, to actually just receive you guys leading us and leading me, but we're in this Purple Book series, and so hopefully you have your Purple Book, um, and if you, you know, are just finding out about this, you're like, what the heck is a Purple Book? Purple Book is a 12-chapter uh, foundational devotional booklet uh, that helps walk us through uh, building strong foundations in our faith. If, you know, foundations are what you stand on uh, when life gets hard, when storms hit you in the face, uh, what are you going to be left to stand on? And so I get to actually share about chapter two, which is one of my favorite chapters in the entire book. Uh, if you weren't able to get a purple book, uh, Miss Lori Jean Tufo, also known as LJ, uh, has some, uh, and you can grab one from her uh, either now or on your way out. But chapter two is Lordship and obedience. Oh yeah. Before we get into that though, I do want to introduce uh, to you the most um, incredible people in my life, the most important people to me, uh, and that is my family. And so uh, we just have a picture of us three um, here. And this is what we look like. Um, right now it's pretty, you know, everyone's kind of doing the thing where you turn into a Pixar character. Uh, and so we just went for it. You know, you upload the, the picture um, and so this is my wife, uh, Rachel, and she is a Disney princess um, that actually isn't even a cartoon version. She just looks like that. She's that beautiful. Uh, that is Olivia, our daughter. Um, and then obviously that is me. Uh, I look interesting. Um, but, you know, so you see there's, there's a cartoon version. Maybe you've done that on the app that's kind of going viral right now. Uh, but that's not really us. We really look like this. This is our our real family photo, um, and so I know, she's the most beautiful girl you've ever seen, and the baby ain't bad either. But there's, uh, that's us at Cheekwood a couple weeks ago. Um, well, actually, I guess that's, that's like a month ago. Now, that's, um, that's, that's what we look like. I, I have a beautiful family. I'm very blessed. Um, and, and so you, you saw the cartoons, and the cartoons kind of give you an idea of what we look like, right? And how, how many people have made yourself into a cartoon? Maybe it's that app that's like going around now, uh, or maybe you're just too embarrassed to admit that you have. Maybe you've gone to the, the fair, and you've had a caricature made of you, you know, where you sit there, and the artist makes you. Well, all of those things, um, they, they look pretty much like you. They have characteristics that resemble you, but they, you know, they downplay certain features and they, uh, you know, build up certain features and, and whatnot where it does look like you, but it's not a picture of you. And I think likewise, our pursuit of God is a lot like this, that when we actually uh, put everything we know about God together, the best that we have is a, a cartoon. 
The best that we have is this caricature that we've created when we put every Sunday school lesson we've ever heard, every conversation we've ever had, every scripture we've ever read uh, in our pursuit of God in a time like this or when we uh, go to God or go to the scriptures, uh, really should be asking God, God, can you help this caricature that I've created look a little bit more like you? God, tonight, uh, would you take away some of the things that I've exaggerated about you? And uh, would you actually take some of the things that I've, you know, overemphasized about you? And give me a more clear version of who you are. And I pray that tonight, uh, especially as we look at such an important topic as lordship and obedience, that we would come with open hands to say, God, I, I think I know what it means to follow you as Lord, but can you help me? I've heard this word before, uh, you know, in Sunday school. I've heard this word, you know, on a TV show. Uh, but would you help me understand not just what I, th what I think it means, but could you actually use your word to illuminate it for me? Because I think when we hear this word Lord or lordship, a lot of different ideas come to different people's minds. Maybe you think it's an archaic religious word from, uh, you know, ancient history, or maybe you have this image of like medieval times, lords and ladies. Maybe you have, you know, the, the artist, Lord, uh, whoever you have in your mind. Maybe you think about bumper stickers, you know, every other person in Nashville has the Jesus is Lord, you know, bumper sticker after they cut you off and you're like, uh, you know, Jesus is Lord. Yes, brother. Um, there was one time I will tell you, uh, I was driving to work. I work here and, um, th this person cut me off and I don't, I'm not really like, I don't, not like an angry guy. I don't do like the road rage thing, but I was kind of like, man, that was like not cool. And then, you know, I'm driving to work here and, um, you know, they're going the same way I'm going. And, and I'm like, and they're just kind of being a little bit of a rough driver. Um, and, and <laughs> Then they pull into our church. It, it was like, oh, wait, you go here. Um, so if that was you, I'm glad you're here. Uh, tonight is going to be a great night for you. Uh, but some of us, when we hear this, you know, we think about, uh, you know, the Lord is just another word for Jesus, right? Jesus, Messiah, Savior, Lord. And that's really what I was like for a long time. When I, uh, I grew up in church and I heard that Jesus was the Lord, but I also knew Jesus was the Savior. And I kind of thought it all was kind of this one thing. But in Acts 2, verse 36, uh, it, it says this. Uh, this is Peter preaching. He says, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And so for me, I knew Jesus as Messiah, but I didn't know Jesus as Lord. I was a really big fan of Jesus who wanted to save me from my sins, but I, I wasn't as big of a fan that Jesus wanted to tell me how to live my life. It was like, God, you know, as long as this is, a, you know, a beneficial thing for me and I don't actually have to do anything, then we're cool. Uh, but the second he started talking about how I behaved in my relationships, or the second that he started talking about how I treated my parents, or what I did with my money, some of these things started getting a little too close to home, so I just kind of kept Lord in that kind of, you know, uh, watercolor image that is splashed together with God and Redeemer and Messiah and all of those things. But, uh, you know, Peter says that he's not just Messiah, but he's also Lord. And so if we're all coming in with these ideas, we need something to clarify this caricature to what it really means to follow Jesus as Lord. And I love what it says in the purple book, uh, the beginning of the chapter on page 22. It says this, to say that Jesus is Lord is to say that he is not only the son of God, but that he is God himself 
in the flesh. Realizing this shows the greatness and grandeur of God's love, that he would become a man to die for us. This revelation changes our hearts and minds forever. Christ's lordship also means that, he, that his words are truly God's words and must be obeyed. So I think the first and maybe most important thing to realize about lordship, uh, and this actually makes the good news even better, is that Jesus is Lord of your life whether you decide he is or not. Jesus is Lord of your life as a citizen of the universe. Jesus, who is Lord of the universe, whether you say it or not, Jesus is already the Lord of your life. And so uh, when we actually confess Jesus as Lord, what we're doing, we're not deciding that he's God. We're not deciding that he's the Lord. We're actually coming into alignment with something that's already true. And so we're now saying, I subscribe to the truth that Jesus is Lord. And now I'm actually coming under the submission to that lordship. And so this is why it's a really big deal, and this is why it's important, because when you realize that Jesus was already Lord before you decided, when you realize that Jesus was already Lord before you put the bumper sticker on your car, that Jesus was already Lord before you changed you know, your status on Facebook, that he was already Lord, that changes him from the category of just a good guy that you take his advice, that is just, hey, these are good ideas to live by, to the Lord of the universe who created the human experience, offering you guidance and wisdom and help to live the best life that you can have because God who created the universe, the one who created the human experience, life from beginning to end is actually stepping into your world and offering you some help. And we think about lordship as this thing of, you know, rules and do's and don'ts, but really lordship is a gift that God who knows the end from the beginning, the beginning from the end, has actually created a framework. He's given guidelines uh, to give you more fulfilled relationships, healthier marriages, a, a more successful and fulfilling work life, a clean relationship with God. He's laid these things out because he knows what's gonna be best for you, what's gonna derail that life, what's gonna uh, foster healthy uh, things in your life. And so when we submit to Jesus as Lord, we actually receive the gift of lordship. Now, with that in mind, however, it, it is a gift, but at the heart of lordship is obedience and submission. And we like the nice words, but we don't love those ones. Because I don't know about you, but I'm a lot more comfortable in my life when I'm in charge, right? I don't need to consult with anybody. You know, I, I come in you know, and say, this is how I'm going to do it. This is what I'm, you know, I don't want to hear this or this or that. I don't like to submit. It's not really one of my favorite things. Um, submission, to submit is to yield to the will and control of another. And with reference to Christians, it is a yielding to the will and control of Jesus Christ. This you know, have you ever been, you know, to uh, a store and they say, you know, everything's on sale. And then there's a little asterisk in the corner that says some exclusions apply, right? This is like, uh, you know, everything is on sale except for the thing you want. You know, everything, this applies to everything except for some things. Becoming a, a Christian and saying Jesus is Lord takes the asterisks off of everything. 
It, it, it's, it, it, you don't get to pick and choose and say, I'm going to do this, but not do that. So it means when Jesus says uh, to love one another in John 15, 17, that we actually, when we say Jesus is Lord and we're under his lordship, we actually love each other, believe it or not. When he says don't commit adultery or steal in Exodus 20, verses 14 and 15 in the Ten Commandments, we're actually saying, okay, we're, we're not going to do that. that Coming under his lordship or, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's saying yes to the things that God says yes to and no to the things that God says no to. And it sounds agreeable when you say, okay, yeah, I agree. Adultery is bad. Loving's good. All of that stuff. Until he starts saying that he has something to say about how you behave at work and what you do when people wrong you. And how you act when someone acted bad to you. And some of these things start to get a little bit close to home. And I need to be really clear that obedience to God is not the means of salvation, but it is the means to spiritual growth. I'll say it again. Obedience to God is not the means of salvation. You're saved by faith alone. Jesus did all the work. You don't get more saved when you help an old lady across the street. You don't get more saved when you, you know, love one another or avoid sin, all that stuff. It's all what Jesus did on the cross. But you cannot grow spiritually without submitting to the lordship of Christ and saying yes to what he says yes to and no to what he says no to. And it normally rubs us wrong because we see lordship and obedience as restrictive. Like we have all of these boundaries before we talk more about boundaries, I thought we could just take a little Olivia break and see some cute pictures. So this is actually right now, my, my wife and daughter are not here because it's bath time and she sent me a picture right before, uh, you know, this. So this is her literally right now. Um, and, and so she's taking a bath. She has gunk all over her face because she just did dinner and she's learning to eat with her hands and stuff. So no, she does not have a green face, but that is... Uh, her. Uh, then here's another picture of Olivia. Just, I know, right? I know. That's also, you know, my wife is a professional photographer and we have amazing photos like that because she's just the best. Um, and let's just, let's do one more for good measure. And so you can see she's getting pretty big. And so Olivia, with some of the, you know, she's really been developing a lot lately in the last month. And so she's getting taller and bigger. She's learning how to stand up on her own, you know, by grabbing things and, you know, uh, lifting herself up. She just started crawling uh, about a week ago, and so now she's just, like, everywhere. And so the other night, we had to, she had, there's, like, a, um, in the crib, it's a certain level of mattress, and you can go lower, you know, so that they don't get out and stuff. That would be a really bad night. And so she can pull herself up now. So the other night we took the mattress down. Now she can crawl, you know, and she, and she can go everywhere. Like she is just a crawlaholic. Like she is everywhere. You leave her and she's somewhere else. So we're about to have to put a baby gate at the top of our stairs so it doesn't turn into a really bad situation, her following the stairs. Now, I would say, you know, we don't need to do a kind of an ironic poll that would those things make us bad parents or good parents? Probably good parents, right? Because we're putting boundaries in her life to keep her safe. We're keeping boundaries in her life. We're making sure that the crib is going to keep her in a, in a state of safety that she's not going to do something because she doesn't know better, but we do. 
she doesn't see, she actually might even be frustrated saying, I was so close to getting out of this crib. But we know that that could result in a trip to the emergency room, not just this, you know, image of freedom that she has. And when it comes to the top of the stairs, we know that a boundary is a good thing. And so we look at lordship as rules and regulations, but I think that a more accurate uh, view of it is that they're boundaries, and you put boundaries around the things that you love. As a parent or as a, uh, even as, you know, think about yourself as uh, maybe, maybe you own a home and you put a fence around your yard, or if you have a fence, it's convenient because it protects what, what you love. We put boundaries around the things that we love. Now, lordship isn't unique to Christianity. All religions have a figure or a lifestyle uh, for its believers to give authority to. But what makes ours different is what our Lord chose to do with his authority. In Philippians 2, uh, verse 6, Pastor Carlos on Sunday referenced this passage, but we're just going to read it. Uh, And it says, who is talking about Jesus being in the very nature of God did not consider himself uh, consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. I love that translation. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at that name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So continually we see this theme of whether we like it or not, Jesus is Lord. And uh, and as people are coming to this realization, it's not so much that they're deciding, okay, now he's Lord of that person's life and that person's life, but not that person's life and this and that, but not that. No, that he's already Lord of all. And so this Christian story of Jesus, of God coming to earth as man and paying the price for your sin and my sin is actually making a way for us to come to this realization, come into alignment with the truth of the Lordship of Christ. Uh, But what I love about the story of Jesus is it shows us that our Lord isn't like anybody else's Lord. That it's not a list of rules and regulations just like any other faith structure uh, is the, the deeds that you do that can get you to God. Christianity is a story of God coming to us because he realized there was nothing that we could do. So now obedience is our response to God, not our uh, way of receiving God's love. So when we obey God, when we say yes to what he says yes to and no to what he says no to, uh, it's not so that God loves us, it's because God loves us. When we say yes to what God says yes to, no to what God says no to, it's not to earn his love, it's because we've already received his love. And this all sounds great, right? This is like, man, I'm walking out of here. Jesus is my Lord. This is so cool. And then tomorrow someone's going to cut you off and it's going to be put to the test. It's like, uh, you know, maybe uh, you're going to make it two or three days. And and I think we kind of get this whole uh, idea. And maybe, you know, you're here. So Wednesday night, you're probably wanting to invest in your relationship with God. So maybe you're like, you know, I've been before uh, where we just kind of grind it out. And we're like, okay, I'm going to say yes 
to Jesus. I'm going to say no to what he says no to. I'm going to say yes to what he says yes to. Uh, and so we grind it out. I'm going to make the right decision. I'm going to, you know, treat people well. I'm going to, you know, not lie. I'm not going to cheat. I'm not going to steal. And however long that list goes. Uh, but we get in this cycle of striving, then failing, then shame, then striving, then failing, and shame and striving and failing and shame. And we realize that we're pretty bad at doing this whole Christian thing on our own. We're really bad at actually just hustling it out and grinding it out. And, and when we do that, we're treating ourselves. Um, I just have a, a, a brief video that I thought we could share. Um, we're, we're treating ourselves a lot like this counselor treats this patient. And so let's just turn our uh, attention. And so this counselor is how you treat yourself when you're trying to do this whole thing on your own. Well, tell, me, tell me about the problem that you wish to address. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I have this fear of being buried alive in a box. <laughs> I just, I start thinking about being buried alive and I begin to panic. Has, has, has anyone ever, ever tried to, to bury you alive in a box? No, no, but Truly, thinking about it does make my life horrible. I mean, I can't go through tunnels or be in an elevator or in a house, anything boxy. So what, what you're saying is you're, uh, you're claustrophobic. Uh, yes, yes, that's it. All right, well, uh, let's go, Catherine. I'm, uh, I'm going to uh, say two words to you right now. I, I want you to listen to them very, very carefully. Then I want you to take them out of the office with you and incorporate them in into your life. So I uh, write them down. Well, it, if it makes you comfortable, it's just two words. Most we find most people can uh, can remember them. <laughs> okay. You ready? Yes. Okay. You're there. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it? Yes, S-T-O-P, new word, I-T. So, what are you saying? <laughs> you, you know, it's funny. I, I, I say two simple words, and I cannot tell you the amount of people who say exactly the same thing you're saying. I mean, this, you know, this is not Yiddish, Catherine. This is English. Stop it. So, I should just stop it. There you go. I mean, you... you, you you don't want to go through life being scared of being buried alive in a box, do you? I mean, that sounds, sounds frightening. <laughs> yes. Then stop it! I can't. I mean, it's been with me no, since childhood. No, no, childhood. no. No, we, 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 we don't go there. Just, just stop. It's, it's silly when we look at it like that. Uh, obviously, it's a, a comedy sketch. But, like, that's, that's sort of what we do. Like we, you know, we, we say, okay, well, I have this, this issue, you know, I, I really, um, you know, even just call it an addiction. I have this, this addiction or I have this sin pattern and I'm just, I'm trying to do this and I'm trying to do this. Okay. Uh, I'm going to do this. And then we say to ourselves, just stop it. Okay. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to do my best. It's okay. And then, and then it's going to, it's going to happen. Just stop it. And we realize very, very quickly that actually being an obedient Christian is, impossible when we just decide to do it. 
We say, I'm just going to decide to, to be a Christian. I'm going to decide to be fully obedient to God. But complete obedience will not hap- happen simply because we decide to do it, because we're prone to sinful conduct and thoughts apart from the work and the power of the Holy Spirit. You cannot, you cannot live in complete obedience without the help of the Holy Spirit, which in John 14, 16 through 17, uh, Jesus says this, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I think when we think about lordship and obedience, it seems scary because we view it as us trying to do it on our own. And when we look at everything that God asks of us, it is terrifying. I mean, it's scarier than being buried alive in a box. Like it's, it's, would you try and do it on your own? Yeah, it's really going to be difficult. We need a helper. If you are an employee or you have ever been an employee, how frustrating is it if your boss asks you to do something that they're not willing to give you the resources to accomplish? That's, I mean... It's just ridiculous. I mean, that's like, I, I'm going to quit my job and find something else. If you're going to ask something of me, but not give me the resources, whatever that might be, to do it. And I don't mean to make Jesus the, this image of the boss, but the same thing relates that he's not asking you to do something that's impossible because he's giving you the resource. He's giving you the helper. And actually beyond just the resources, the materials, the cost, whatever, he's saying, I'm actually going to step in myself into your life, into your circumstance. Uh, And that's uh, when we talk about being indwelled by the Holy Spirit, when we're talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, we're talking about living a life filled with the guidance of God, an awareness of his voice, awareness of uh, the direction that he has for you, saying, God, okay, I have uh, this or that. And he says this, all right. I have uh, this or that. He says that, all right. And when we live this life being filled with the Holy Spirit, it's not Christianity to 2.0. It's not like you get more of God. It's actually that God gets more of you. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you have no more. Like when you get saved, I repeat, it's all done. It is, Jesus did everything. And so it's not like you have your, you know, your Christians and your super Christians who can speak in tongues. You know, or like you have your Christians and your super Christians. No, 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 no. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're actually, uh, it's not that more of God is available to you. You are more available to God. You've made room in your life to have the pilot step in and give you guidance and give you wisdom. Uh, It's like another bumper sticker you might have seen. God is my co-pilot. I'm sorry, it's just not true. God does not, he doesn't play that game. God is not your co-pilot. When you say Jesus is the Lord, you're saying God's the pilot. He's saying, I've given him keys to the plane, and when he says left, I'm going left. When he says right, I'm going right. God is not my co-pilot. God is my pilot. When we submit to him, we make space for him to be in us, to lead us, and guide us into truth, walking with God in obedience. And that's the life I want to live. I don't know about you, but I want to live a life obedient and submitted to God in complete submission to God. 
because I know that the life that God has for me is so much better than one I could drum up on my own. And maybe I'm just preaching to myself, but I know so often if there was an inner narrative, I, I could say, you know, uh, it's something that, that I want to do, a path I want to go down, a decision I want to make. Maybe it has to do uh, with your family. Maybe it has to do with your career. Maybe it has to do with your finances. And, and we sort of have this mentality of, of saying, God, I know that you know the end from the beginning, the beginning from the end. God, I know you created the world. God, I know that you have been there from Alpha, Omega. I've read the book, but go with me on this one. We say, Jesus, you know, you're, you're Lord. You're over everything. But I think I, think I got this one, okay? I've, you know, I've, I listened to the podcast. The podcast said this is a good investment. You know, we have this mentality that somehow we know better than God. And I, I think that we realize quickly as we spend time with God and uh, whether you follow Jesus for a day or for decades, you know, you will quickly come to the realization that the plan God has for you is so much better than any plan you can have for yourself because there is only room for one on the throne of your heart. There's only room for one on the throne of your heart. So there's this tension that we live in. Who's gonna occupy that seat? Because I know in, in my heart so often I feel like, well, I, I think that throne looks pretty comfortable. I mean, I, I think that that's, you know, that I, I, I could do a decent job at that, that whole being God thing. Somehow in my life, I create this fictional idea that if I just had more control, that uh, I know better what to do with my money because God wants 10%, 10%? I mean, seriously, I got to pay taxes. You know, I got to, you know, pay bills. I got to do this. I got to do that. And you want 10%? You know, I think about uh, things of how God wants me to, to control my tongue, about the things I say, the things that I, uh, you know, speak about other people or to other people. And I think that, you know, God, if I just actually tell this little white lie, it's going to get me the promotion. And if I am honest, then it might actually just keep me at the same level that I'm at in, in my workplace. If I just tell this little white lie, you know, or if I, if I just fudge the truth a little bit, my spouse isn't going to be as mad at me. If I just, you know, kind of fudge this a little bit, I'm going to look better in front of my friends. But when we have this, this tension all the time, we have this tension all the time. But Jesus is saying, hey, I actually know how to do this thing better than you. And I actually want to step from the heavens onto earth and make myself available by my Holy Spirit to live in you, to be in you, to guide you, to be your pilot, if you'll just let me. And so this topic of lordship obedience is simply that, saying, Jesus, I'm submitting to you. I'm submitting to your word and to your ways. 
I'm submitting to what you say is best for me because I'm trusting that it's best for me just like we put a baby gate up, just like we adjust the crib because we know what's best for our child. Uh, the same way God set up guidelines on the way that we should live, not because he's a dictator, not because he wants to you know, uh, keep us from having fun, but because he knows what's best for us. And when we say yes to Jesus, when we say yes to following him as the Lord of our lives, the one who calls the shots. We're subscribing to the greatest truth of all times that the creator of the universe wants to step in and help you. He wants to help you give uh, the right uh, instructions to your kids. He wants to help you make the right investments with your time because he created the human experience. And so let's take a moment. We're going to uh, worship in just a second. But if you would, let's just close our eyes here in this place and just have a you and Jesus moment. I tell our students all the time that there's, there's nothing magical about bowing your head and closing your eyes, but what it does is it puts you in a posture of submitting to God by bowing your head and, and, and just taking away distraction and taking a self inventory and asking myself, where am I on a topic like this? Where am I when it comes to calling Jesus not only Savior, but also, Lord, am I willing to be wrong? Am I willing to say yes to Jesus even when it's hard? When I, am I willing to say yes to Jesus even if I disagree? Am I willing to say yes to Jesus on the things that make me uncomfortable? You don't need to pray this out loud. You don't need to, you know, you can pray either in your head or in your own way. Um, but let's just pray and say, God, right now, I put you on the throne of my heart. I say that your way is higher than my way and that you know better than I do. I know that your plans for me are good I know that they're for me to prosper and to bring you glory. So Lord, now I submit to you. I don't just call you my savior, but I call you my Lord. And I thank you that you've made available to me the Holy Spirit who wants to help lead me and guide me to all truth. I accept now freshly your Holy Spirit to do just that. I surrender to you, God, and it's my honor to call you Lord. With our final few minutes, you can uh, be seated or you can stand, but we're just going to sing um, just, a, just a chorus of um, one of the songs that we sang earlier. Just um, saying, I surrender. God, I surrender. And let that just be the cry of our hearts tonight.
we sing that tonight, that our hearts are yours, God, that our lives are yours. God, we to you not only the, the times that we're singing, God, not, not only the times that we're a small group or reading our Bibles, but God, every moment of our life we say is yours. So help to guide us as we go from this place. God, help us to make decisions that honor you, not just out of our own trying, but because uh, we have the presence of God living on the inside of us, empowering us to do that. Father, 